0: Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of underdog today I have an incredible guest
1: here with me Kelly how are you my friend I am awesome it is the best day of my life thanks for having me I love your energy the minute that I got on the call with you I was like I love her she's so great (laughs) was that fun (laughs) I
0: love it so I always start off these interviews with the most loaded question because it's so important
1: what inspired you on your journey to where you are today that is a great question. When I was 13, I wrote in my journal, I will be an exercise therapist. And I really had no idea what that meant. I don't even think it existed when I was 13, but I just loved when I was moving, running, dancing, jumping, swimming, cheerleading. I just loved it. I was like, what do people not get about this? There's just like this whole endorphin high That I really loved, but we also do things to move away from pain. And I had a really strong family history of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer, alcoholism, smoking, and I went, oh, I had nothing to do with that. So I set out on a journey to wake up every day to help people be well, because I hate lack, I hate poverty, I hate injury and illness and disease. and, And so much of it is within our influence. That's what excites me every day. I love that, Kelly. I love it. So you mentioned you wrote you wanted to be an exercise therapist at thirteen. Yes. (laughs) What What did you want to be before that? Like as a young, (laughs) what was your dream? Well, that was in my journal at thirteen, and I had to wait until I was seventeen to get certified. It seems so long, (laughs) but I did. I got certified at seventeen, and I had three college degrees by the time I was twenty-two, and since then I've gained a lot of certifications and wisdom along the way, but it's always lined up with helping people be well. That's incredible. And as a young kid, did you want to be like the same thing? Less than 10 years old, same thing? Always. As far back as I could remember, I just loved moving I was just happy when I was riding my bike and it just felt so good. And it wasn't that my home was like so unhappy or negative, but my parents were really hard workers. They had multiple jobs, multiple businesses. So I was always working. So the only time I wasn't in school or working, I got to go to a dance lesson or, you know, ride my bike on the sidewalk. And I just loved it. That's
0: incredible. So who, who, or it could be multiple people or things inspired you at that age?
1: Definitely both of my parents. They came from, you know, very humble beginnings. My dad was in orphanages and foster system. So he really did start with nothing and had a challenging childhood. And my mom was the youngest by far. Her sister was 20 years older than her. So the parents were kind of older and really almost ready to retire by the time she came along. They were kind of, you know, both on their own and they met when they were 10, married at 20, and they decided that they were going to make a great life and love their kids. And and have the things that they didn't have growing up. That's
0: incredible. So both of your parents were, that's so interesting. My parents came to the U.S. when I was five years old. So like we all came together. There's nothing like seeing that grind. You know, when you see your parents at such a young age, working and like building a life together, there's nothing more inspiring, I feel like.
1: Yes, that has always been a dream of mine to work with my spouse because that's what I saw my parents do. My dad always worked for the city of New York. So he had like the steady benefits and job But he had a construction company and then over time they opened delis, restaurants, pizzerias. And that's what we did after school. We were stocking shelves and cleaning dishes and hostessing and all that kind of stuff.
0: That's so funny. So there's a parallel between you and I because I started working at my parents' pizzeria when I was 10. So I know the exact feeling. It's like after school. Okay, awesome. Most kids go and do their homework and whatnot. You will be answering phones and working the register. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. So walk me through. So after you got those certifications, you had these degrees by 22. What happened next in your world?
1: I actually wound up going back to the very first place that gave me my job when I was 17 at the health club, and they gave me a full-time job as the director. And over a short amount of time, we opened up four locations. I became a partner. We had multiple corporate fitness locations that we were managing, like Calvin Klein, BMW, AT&T, Nabisco. And then I also founded a school because back in, you know, like 1990, there weren't a lot of personal trainers, so I had to train them. So I contacted the certifying organizations and said, "How do I prepare people to get certified?" And they said, "We don't know. Here's the textbook. Why don't you figure it out?" So I prepared over 3000 people over a 9-year period to become certified Medical exercise specialists and post rehab technicians. So that was the first 14 years of my career before my kids were born. And it was so fun. That's crazy. And so, how old were you when you were? Just- I started working there at 17 and I worked there all through college. And then when I graduated, I went there full time and we expanded, we grew. So, you're like 22, opening five different new locations? Yes. That's incredible. And becoming a partner, did I hear? Yep. So I I bought in and had some sweat equity over time and became a partner with the original person who opened them. It actually was 35 years this week. So it's been a long time. Holy crap.
0: Hold on a second, Kelly. I got to figure out what is it that drove that motivation in you at such a young age? Because that is not normal, as you know. (laughs)
1: Yes. I had that work ethic in me from my parents, but there's really like a deep desire in me for people to be well and be healthy. And I'm a knowledge person. So I was always going to the conferences, always hiring consultants. You know, how do we help more people? How do we make more sales so we can help more people? And how do we grow this? How do we scale this? How do we give more people jobs? It was just exciting. It was a neighborhood fitness center and it was the center of the community where people came and we did a lot of outreach and we did things in the town and things for kids. And we did birthday party. I mean, we did so many fun things there. I literally took vacations with these people where I'd make some adventure vacation. Like we're going to go out West and we're going to hike and bike and white water raft and climb mountains. And they would, you know, we'd do trips together. It was just a family, extended family. It was a lot of fun.
0: That's so cool. That's incredible. So you expanded those locations. And then after that experience, what happened after the fitness? So my son was
1: born and my intention was I'm going to pop this baby out and I'm going right back. I'm (laughs) going to get to put him in daycare. And the day came and I sat in the parking lot and he was six weeks old. And I walked into the daycare and I looked at that crib and I could not lay that baby down in there. And I called uh, now my former husband and I said, I'm going to figure something else out. And I went home and I found a babysitter who could come for 4 hours a day and so I was you know trying to work remote back then 22 years ago. Wow. And I finally said to my partner, "Can you buy me out?" And the internet was really just getting going in 2000, so I became an online, one of the first online trainers. I was the lead fitness expert for e-diets, which at the time was the largest subscription-based weight loss program. And I brought in the fitness component and that really opened up a whole new world to me of doing media interviews and understanding how the technology could work to reach people all over the world. And then I started writing more and speaking more because I still wanted to contribute to my industry on a really high level, but I didn't want to give up raising my kids. So I had to come home and figure it out way before covid how do I from home be able to have this platform? And I really had two different parts of my business where I helped consumers who wanted to be healthy, but I also trained trainers on how to be servants, how to be business people, you know, how to lead, how to grow, how to expand. So I was consulting with industry leaders and fitness based hospitals centers. And so that was for probably the next five or six years. And then I get into doing fitness boot camps and I was introduced to network marketing, had a couple of best-selling books, got to speak all over the world, be on all the major networks. So it's been fun. <laughs> She's just casual. Yeah. All over the- that's so awesome. Oh my goodness. Wow. So
0: first off, COVID must've came and You're like, been there, done that. Yeah.
1: I'm all set. yeah it didn't affect me.
0: <laughs> oh, funny. That's so cool. And so how was it being one of the first trainers ever to do everything virtually? Because I can only imagine what that
1: hurdle was like in the beginning. Yeah. The platform with e-diets where I started, they were number one in the world at the time for weight loss on the web. They were even before weight watchers to be online. So I got to really be grassroots with literally creating the figures that would do the actual exercises and figuring out all these different algorithms of if someone has a knee injury, then not this exercise, this one. And, So it was kind of cool to be at the foundational levels of creating those kind of programs. And then, you know, we were doing chats back then and I've had hundreds of people in a chat room from all over the world and we started running contests and it was just fun, you know, learning how that all worked way back when. That's so fascinating. Oh my goodness. But then it opened up this
0: whole new platform. Yes. And what I also love too is, I mean, you were very comfortable where you were right? Doing what you were going to do. But the fact that you listened to your heart and you were like, I'm going to figure something else out. I know the kids were the motivating factor, but like some people won't even make the change even then, right? Like what would be some tips that you would offer someone who's looking to have more of a work-life balance or like is looking to make that jump and doesn't quite know how to figure it out?
1: Yeah. You need to, at some point decide, right? You need to be decisive and make a decision. You have to get out of that comfort zone. Everything that you have in your life right now is a result of every belief, every thought, every action. And so you have what you have because of how you think. If you want something new, you have to take that step. You have to have that risk in you enough that you're willing to make change. I don't, think people are going to really have any regrets because they know what their life is like now. So this is it. Like if there's something more, you have to do something different to get a different result. So yeah, it's scary. But for every entrepreneur, this is how we roll. I mean, this is what we do. So I'm not saying go out and quit your job to anyone. But at some point, if you look at the people who are the most successful, they are good at making decisions. They are good at taking risks. And yeah, you're going to fail some. Yeah, you're going to get knocked down 10 times, but you have to have the resilience to get up that 11th time. And follow your heart. I mean, I do like to have quiet time and really sit and consider and see what I get in more of like a a heavenly realm. Like, how am I feeling in my heart about this? Is this a yes or a no? And I will ask for confirmation, like bless it or block it, like open the door, close the door and and try and get like three different confirmations on like, okay, I'm doing this. And then once you decide, you just have to go and figure it out.
0: That's amazing, Kelly. So that, that tells me you're a little bit in the spiritual realm, as am I. Yes. Yes. Into energy work and all of that. It's been a big part of my life. Like everyone's like, "Bam, your energy. It's just like, ah, oh my God, dude. Like we can feel it. We can sense it. And it's like, it's so interesting when you can learn how to manipulate energy and listen to it and really trust it, what it can do in your life and how it can transform things.
1: Absolutely. I am all about, it. I mean, the very lowest form of energy is victim. And man, I hate that. I hate like the world is happening to me. There is nothing that I can do it. And we all might get there in a moment, but it's not a place to stay. (laughs) Like you, you can feel sorry, have the pity party for a moment, but don't live there. And the very highest level of energy is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's the highest. And the tipping point to go from the bottom victim to the top love is courage. You have to have that courage, that resilience, that, you know, get past the fear get out of the comfort zone to make things happen and and stop being a victim, which means being vulnerable, admitting your fears, you know, really facing it and, you know, doing it anyway. Yeah, no, it seems to me that you've done a lot of personal
0: development work too. in what you're saying, because I'm like somebody who's worked on themselves, definitely speaking here because there's no other way of like, she's done so much self-reflection in her world to get to where she's at. That's without a doubt. I mean, especially... The fact that you just you dropped everything, you're like, I'm going to figure this thing out, even though you had something perfectly good going on. You know what I mean? Like you just kept on going and you followed your heart and you kept moving forward. And then it brought you to this beautiful world and then eventually into speaking internationally, getting on major networks and all of that. So can you tell me about that experience as well? Like what it was like, like kind of elevating from, from all of that. Cause I'm sure this was all kind of new, right? Like E-Diets was like number one in the world and then seeing all of this take off.
1: Yeah. So I actually was on the Stairmaster one day when I was looking at a shape magazine that had an article weight loss on the web. And there were three different companies that were listed there that they were comparing and none of them had an exercise program. So I just wrote all three and I said, here's my resume. If you want to develop a fitness. Component to your new, you know, your weight loss plan, here I am. And all three responded and said, When can you start? And I was like, hmm, maybe there's something to this. So that's how I started with e-diets. And because I did so much media work with e-diets, even when I wasn't with them any longer, they kept calling me. All of the, you know, people who were doing the interviews kept calling me back because they're like, Kelly, you're so good, you're tight, you're bright, you're responsible, you know your, your material. And so I got to do a lot of media and I started doing media tours where companies would call me to come in and I'd be featured on, you know, like NBC in Philadelphia or CBS and in miami and all the the local networks so I, they would bring me in as a lifestyle expert fitness nutrition expert and they'd bring me in say seasonally like hey kelly give us some tips for the winter you know how do we boost our immune system and it might be sponsored but i got to be on tv more and a lot happens by word of mouth you know when you show up and you're good and you care and you know your content you get referred so i actually got referred to speak for sir richard branson for his health clubs all over europe called virgin active so that was really fun and things happen by what I call God'sidence. you know, they're just being aligned and you get introduced to someone and so much happens by referral, but also putting yourself out there and letting people know, here's who I am, here's what I do, here's how I roll, if I can help you, let me know.
0: That's awesome, Kelly. I love how it just grew organically. Together. That's incredible. That's incredible. And then leading you to your
1: books, you have three best selling books. Yeah. I do. Yeah. The first one is called Mom and Dad Penurious. And that was again pre COVID when it was about putting your family first and not sacrificing your kids for your career. And I told 29 different stories in there of families, whether they were traditional families, single families, blended families, adoptive families, where they figured out a way that they could have a great lifestyle and not have to go to the office every day and work. So there's a variety of different stories really to give people hope, You know, especially whether it's a mom or a dad. If you went to school, you have a passion in your heart, you want to give back, you want to contribute, you want to be a mom or a dad, but you still want to have meaning and purpose on your life. And so this gives them a lot of different examples for ways that they can do that from people who did take that chance. People who had, you know, corner office degrees, all of that, and they missed their girl's dance recital. And they're like, you know what? This isn't going to work for me. I need to be at the dance recital. The corner office isn't worth it. I'm going to figure another way out. Um, The second book is called Passionistas. And that really was intended to be written by a more mature woman about what would you say to your younger self? So it was like wisdom for millennial women. Wow. And what we found is that men are loving the book, older women are <laughs> loving the book. they <laughs> so like, are and, you leaving me out? Are you leaving yeah. me out? And millennial women are awesome. I mean, there's so much that I learned from them. They've just got so many cool things that are different from my generation. I'm in my 50s. So that's a lot of fun, passionistas. And then the, the more recent book was called Success Habits of Super Achievers. And that was over 80 people who told their story ordinary people who some unusual adversity happened to, that they really overcame that and did something extraordinary and really made a difference. So I recommend people read a chapter a day. So there, it's a couple of pages. It's someone's story. And when you read that story, you're like, wow, if they did that, then I could get up and face my day and, and make some stuff happen. I love that,
0: Kelly. Oh my goodness, you are such a rock star. And I love I love the trajectory between the three. It seems like every single era of your life brought on like a new book, if you will.
1: It has been so fun. The success habit stories are incredible. I mean, I get humbled. I mean, when we meet someone, we have no idea what they've been through. Whether they're happy or grumpy or we don't know what brought them to this season. Some of the happiest people have been through, some of the most difficult things. But like you said, they did the deep work, they did the soul work. And they live from such a place of gratitude. Yes. What's one of your favorite stories in there? I don't want to give away the whole thing. (laughs) I'll give away my story then. My story in there is called Disruptor. Mm. And it's about really finding my passion again. My disruption was, you know, here I was cruising along thinking life is awesome. I got two amazing kids, been married for 24 years, living in a state neighborhood, the vacations, the cars, the whole bit. And my husband comes home after 24 years and says, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left and it floored me. I mean, it took me to my knees, emptied me out, really made me question everything in my life. And it sent me on a three-year, what I lovingly refer to as a sabbatical, (laughs) where I just went on this healing journey to figure out how did this happen to me? How did this tornado come in and blow up my life, leaving this you know, gaping hole of pain with everything scattered everywhere? And so the overcoming part was I really did figure it out. I figured out who I was. I learned to really forgive, not just him, but myself. I was able to find new purpose and renew my mind from the past and release that bitterness and that anger and depression and denial and shock and all the things that you go through when you go through grief that I didn't even really know about, even though I had had grief in my life prior to this, this was the thing. And come to a place where now I empower women to overcome the fear, the rejection, the grief after going through a major loss so that they can create this amazing bonus life that they didn't even know was possible. So, That was my story (laughs) in the book. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kelly. And I mean, I just turned
0: 30. There are not many people in my age group that I know of yet, right? That right now is like a lot of like the weddings and all, you know, everything's happening right now at this point. But I do have a lot of friends in the business realm and just everywhere else in my network that are going through or have gone through divorces. And I like, don't even know what to say to them. When I say, I'm sorry, they're like, Oh no, it's okay. And I'm like, I don't know what, how do you help someone who's going through something just as like an outside person. And then of course, tips on the inside as well. What you want to get into is how do you empower and break away from that space? Any guidance would be, would be. Yes.
1: Good. So we are not equipped. My goodness. I had friends who got divorced and it's like, if someone says, They lost a baby. They had their house burned down. They had an abortion. Like Unless we've been through it, there is really no way. Like You don't know unless you've been through it. And I feel like I really was a bad friend to my friends who were going through divorce because you don't realize the suffering, the pain, the the difficulty. So refer them to me. (laughs) I would love to help them. But love them where they're at. Just sit with them sometimes. Just check in on them, send them a song, send them a positive quote, see what they want to do, take them to the movies, make them feel beautiful. Just a lot of times in a place where there's such deep self-hatred. So you mentioned 30, that's actually the number one age for divorce. The number two age for the divorce is 50, but 54% of all first marriages do end in divorce. The person who leaves feels a lot of shame and guilt for breaking up the family. The person who's left feels rejection, deep, deep rejection. And it's 50-50. Sometimes the woman leaves, sometimes the man leaves. And so knowing which one left might help you to know which one are they dealing with. If they're feeling rejected, then you you make them feel loved and honored and seen and heard. And because there's so much, you know, self-hatred that goes on. So just shining the light on the truth of who they really are and that their identity is not in being a wife or a husband, but there's actually more than that. And if they were the one to leave and they're feeling that guilt and rejection, you know, while you're in it, it feels like it's never going to go away. The pain's always going to be horrible. It's just so far reaching. It's not forever. It's for a season, but it's more than just time. Time heals some, but it's the intention that really can help get you fully healed and accelerate the process where you can get to a place of joy and celebration again and you'll know someone like when they walk in the room talk about the energy you can feel when someone's depressed or bitter that energy is on them so always shining the light always holding up truth and love because a lot of times when you're in that deep pit of a place you're in that victim place so bringing in good energy bringing in love listen love them unconditionally, not even necessarily giving advice, but asking good open-ended questions sometimes gets them to think a little differently and see their situation a little bit differently. And then really do get them help. I mean, I did retreats. I went to conferences. I listened to TED talks. I had counselors. I went to the healing place, but divorce coaching is really what I'm doing. So you can refer anyone to me and I would love to help them. Thank you. Yeah. Cause it's,
0: it's just like one of those topics that it's like, if you haven't been through it, you don't really know what's like how to help someone. Right. So that that's super impactful and and helpful. And like you said, 54% of marriages
1: now end in divorce, which is so bananas to think about. And the rate on second marriages is even higher because (laughs) wherever you go, there you are. And the second time around, you're less patient. (laughs) And when you have a blended family, it makes it even that much harder when there's kids involved. um, A lot of times they are the reason for the second divorce because it's challenging.
0: Wow. That's fascinating. I mean, I always wonder what the dynamic of how that goes, but a lot of my friends are going through it or have gone through it. And I'm just like, I can't relate personally. Cause I'm like, I don't, I just got married. so I'm all new to the whole realm. And a lot of like my friends and my peers on the millennial realm, we're all on like the same boat. Everyone's getting married and all, all that stuff. Cause a lot of my friends, especially they, they waited. It was like very late twenties, early thirties is when they're all getting married. So it's interesting to see those statistics, of how it all comes together and how to help too. So thank you so much for that insight. Cause now I can at least try to like somewhat direct it, you know, based on, based on what they're going, but it's never easy.
1: Yeah. It is a body, mind, spirit. I mean, it hits everything physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, professionally, everything. Usually you change where you live and you might change your kids' schools and your friend group may change because all your friends were couples. And so it's just a lot at, at one time, in addition to court and, Now you've got two hurt people hurting each other and it can go well. And I do help with, you know, navigating, mediating, really guarding your heart, being confident, how to figure out, you know, the best way to go into mediation, that kind of stuff.
0: Thank you so much for that, Kelly. And so what about if someone's going through this? and their husband was the breadwinner or the significant other was the breadwinner.
1: Yeah, so I mean, hopefully they can negotiate. And it's like, I'm in Texas, so it's 50-50. So it just gets whatever the assets are, whatever's in the accounts, the home value, all of that, it should go right down the middle. But there's always room for negotiating things but there's definitely things people want to consider that you don't realize and you don't want to wait until everything is closed and then you're like oh health insurance wait a minute how's that going to work like my daughter had a horse and that's expensive and so who's going to be responsible for you know that kind of stuff so you want to have a checklist and really think through as many things as possible and it's the important things and you, you do want to be somewhat fair if something's not important to you and you know it's important to the other person that you'd be reasonable and gift that and stand for the things that are really important to you. You might wind up going back to work. A lot of women do have to figure out, okay, I haven't been in the workforce for 15 years. You know, what do I do in that situation? And I train a lot on an abundant mindset. And, you know, just how to create wealth from a place of abundance because so many women get in a place of poverty when they're going through divorce because they get in scarcity of there's never going to be enough. And there's so much insecurity that's around money. And so I work with them on a lot of the mindset that has to do with just flow of how things can work and how to attract what you need. I love
0: that. I love that, Kelly. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, I mean, you just never know who's going through what and what their situation is and all of that. It's just been so many different people who've gone through divorce that have been presented to me. And I've always, it's always been a challenge of mine. And I'm sure we've got listeners who have had friends or family or whatever, you know, what's the best way to deal with it. And I mean, and another thing that just popped in my mind is the question of how do you handle it with children, right?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So the statistics for divorced children are not good but it doesn't have to be that way. So they're more likely to themselves be divorced, to have teenage pregnancy, crime. I mean, if you look at the statistics, I actually have a a report on my website, kellycalabrese.com, how to not have your child be a statistic of divorce. And there's 12 different points that you can do there because it doesn't have to be a normal average statistic. Your child can just thrive and be well. Kids handle it differently, even in the same family two or three different children can all do something different. Girls tend to shut down and isolate. Boys tend to get angry and act out, but it it could flip. could be the other way. Kids want their parents to be together no matter what, even if it wasn't a good situation, example of marriage, even if it was abusive in a kid's heart, they always, even older kids want their parents to be together. Mm -hmm. So let love win is just a good rule. Like looking through the lens of love winning, what would be the best thing to happen in this situation? And it's about the quality, not the quantity of time. So when you're with them, just have deep conversations, be connected with them, do meaningful things, let them know that they're loved, that obviously this wasn't their fault. And kids are pretty resilient, but again, getting help for the kids is always a a great idea that they have support because kids don't talk about that. They're not sitting at the lunch table in third grade or seventh grade talking about their parents getting divorced. And Half of the kids at the table are experiencing that. So it's important that they do have an outlet. Physical sports, music, something where they have a happy place that they can go and express and be and have mentors and safe adults around them whether it's through church or neighbors or for my kids some of my girlfriends were really helpful to my daughter cuz she, you know, knew them and loved them and trusted them. So having trusting adults around is good too. Love that, Kelly. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, truly. I mean, because, you know, all these
0: questions come up, right? There's so many variables to the relationships in your life that get affected when a divorce happens. So thank you so much for that insight. And, you know, you mentioned that you wrote one of your books to basically the passionistas, I think it was. What would your older self tell your younger self? And that was the one question that I wanted to ask you.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say have more fun. You know, I'm someone who's very intense and disciplined and do everything meaningful. And, you know, I probably took myself a little too seriously. (laughs) So I would say enjoy the process a lot more. I was always really driver, just striving and driving and kicking doors down. And I would say now to sit back a little bit and receive more and be open to the flow of things coming to you and that you don't have to, you know, work for or pay for everything. There's this, you know, a planting of seeds and a harvesting that happens. And I probably missed out on a lot of fun things, opportunity, growth, multiplication, because I just had my head down running all the time. So being present is really the most valuable thing, and not be thinking so much about the future or really at all about the past, because most of that isn't even how we remember it. And we need to renew our mind all like every day to what's our current situation. So I would say you know get present, let love win, and and have some fun along the way. It's not all stress and intense and fearful and difficult.
0: Love that, Kelly. I love that. And you mentioned before this call too that you know you're only conversation that you're interested in in 2022 is meaningful. So what's up in your world? What's coming on
1: in Kelly world? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I have had a word of the year for the last 15 years, and my word for this year has been meaningful. And the word reveals itself as the year goes on. So, what it's meant for me is that I only want to do things that are meaningful, but I also get to give the meaning to whatever happens in my life, you know, like a divorce or a partnership not working or a business idea falling apart. So, The word doesn't end when the year ends. I still intend to do very meaningful things. My word for 2022 is victory. So this is the year where where I really get to walk into the victory of all the good things that I have planted. And the thing I'm most focused on is uh, speaking. I've been speaking a lot for corporations on a variety of topics from health and relationships but also helping those hurting women who need to come out of this, you know, divorce grief and get to a place of abundance and joy and celebration and love. So I have a program called Intentionally Fabulous that I launched earlier this year. And it's exactly for that. It walks women through all the steps to get through this and to come out well on the other side. That's incredible, Kelly. You are such a rock
0: star. I'm so excited to see what 2022 brings for you because you've hustled and done so much and for it to be the year of harvest is always super exciting. So thank you for that. I'm excited for you. Thank
1: you. You Me too.
0: (laughs) Big year. Oh my goodness. Now, Kelly, you got to let everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness.
1: Yeah. So my website is Kelly with an I, K-E-L-L-I, Calabrese, C-A-L-A-B-R-E-S-E.com. And then my name on all the places, Facebook, LinkedIn, it's my name everywhere. So they can find me. If they're a, a woman going through divorce, my private free group is called Intentionally Fabulous. And I pour into there every day. We talk about the hard things. We encourage each other. We laugh. So go to Intentionally Fabulous if you're a woman going through divorce. I
0: love it. Kelly, thank you so much for being here today. You are a total rock star. And I'm just so grateful for you. So thank you so, so much.
1: Thank you, Pamela. It's my honor to be here. So much fun. Blessings to you. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog.
0: Catch us next week. Always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love.